0: Last week, we explored the identity of the Holy Spirit as revealed to us in Genesis 1 and Mark 1. At the moment of Jesus' baptism, you'll recall the Spirit descended upon Jesus, confirming who he really is, Son of God. The Spirit, is the the same Spirit that hovered on Jesus, is the same one who hovered over the waters of chaos, bringing forth order, light, and life bringing forth creation. In Jesus, the Spirit shows us a new creation, a new human being, whose image we also take on in our baptism. However, who are we? Who am I, really? Am I defined by my job? by my family or by my church? Am I known by which football team I root for on, Saturday, on Sunday afternoons? What about my nationality, my race, my heritage, or where I came from or what I've done in the past? Sure, I may have received Jesus' image in baptism. How am I that? Who am I? Really. As Paul sees it, the church at Corinth had forgotten who they had been called to be. Apparently, they'd taken Paul's uh, Paul's teaching on gospel freedom so much to heart that they, as Luther would later say about the German peasantry, mastered the fine art of misusing all their freedom. They held lavish parties at the Lord's Supper where the rich feasted and the poor fasted. They were all too easily impressed by displays of spiritual power, which made them prime marks for religious hucksters. They split into factions, some claiming, I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos, worshiping the leader rather than worshiping the Lord. Some lived however they wanted to, sleeping with whomever they wanted, carrying grievances, filing lawsuits. Some even caused others to abandon the community of faith by eating foods used in idol worship. The church at Corinth's credo seems to be not far from the credo of the American sovereign self. I can do whatever I want. And then we would add, It's a free country. It's remarkable that Paul doesn't oppose their premises. He builds on them. All things are lawful for me, the Corinthians apparently say. But Paul adds, not all things build up. All things are lawful for me, they say. But Paul adds, I will not be dominated by anything all things are indeed lawful for the one who belongs to christ but this is not the carte blanche statement we might think it is it is rather a terrifying statement of both freedom and responsibility christ had freed the the corinthians from the need to climb a ladder or a stairway if you're a led zeppelin fan to heaven (laughs) built with the flimsy wood of one's own good works God's grace had been given to them in Christ, freeing them from their old sinful selves and forming a new self within them. But they had forgotten about their responsibilities to each other. They had forgotten about their brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. They made bad choices, choices that threatened the community of faith. Me was still stronger than we. So Paul calls them back, reminding them that they are each members of Christ's body. That is their fundamental identity, members of Christ's body. The body of Christ, though, is not like, and this is dating me, but I don't care. The body of Christ is not like the Borg Collective from Star Trek, which destroys the individual for the sake of the collective. Rather, Christ's body is made up of unique persons. Individually precious to the body of Christ. Individually useful. Individually called. Paul will get into this later in his letter, but we only need to look at our other readings this morning to see the importance that each of us has to the body of Christ. Before he was called from God, Samuel probably didn't know who he was meant to be. Sure, he knew he was Hannah and Elkanah's son, something like that. That his mother had sent him to the temple in Shiloh from a very young age. That he was an aide to the priests. But he didn't know who he really was. He didn't know God's voice. How could he? The word of God was rare in those days, the text tells us. It took the aid of a broken old priest named Eli. To tell him that the Lord was calling him, which makes this story so sad. Eli helps him discern the voice of the Lord, the same voice which will have a terrible message for Eli. But whether the message is good or bad, Samuel is the recipient. Samuel is the one who is charged to give it. Samuel's called to be a prophet. That's his identity. He is to be someone who speaks to the people for the Lord and to the Lord from the people. He's car- he is to carry out this even if it is a terrible message of judgment on a beloved father figure. It takes a lot of courage to do this sort of work. Samuel is called to be a person who can say hard things, not out of anger or malice, like a lot of so-called prophets out there, but out of love and concern for God's beloved people Israel, as one of the people, not apart from them, but as one of them. Nathaniel's story also shows us another example of the wondrous and sometimes scary identity God has called us to. Nathaniel's virtue is bluntness, although perhaps he can take it a little too far, be a little bit like a bull in a china shop, kind of like someone I know. I, I did this. Did you see that? Okay. I love how Philip introduces Jesus to him. Philip tells him, "We have found the one in whom Moses ha- we have found the one who Moses and the prophets wrote about." Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth? It's like this huge buildup you expect. But this guy? Really? You might as well say, Jesus, son of Oli from Nimrod, Minnesota. (laughs) Or Jesus from what cheer, Iowa, which is a metropolis compared to Nimrod. Perhaps Nathanael is a city boy, or perhaps Nazareth has a reputation. Either way, he calls it like he sees it. But when Jesus shows up, he doesn't berate Nathanael for his bluntness. From the beginning of John's Gospel, Jesus knows who he himself really is. And, And as the word of God, he sees into all people's hearts. John makes this clear over and over. Jesus sees Nathanael for who he really is. And Nathanael, unlike his ancestor Jacob from Genesis, who lies and cheats and defrauds his way across across several, uh, about 15 chapters of Genesis, Nathanael is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael seems confused. Where did you get to know me? I saw you under the fig tree. We don't know what this means. What was Nathanael doing there? Why would this have such resonance for Nathanael? I suppose it doesn't matter much because Nathanael does resonate with this. He calls Jesus son of God, king of Israel. Good titles, but there's so much more to Jesus you will, Jesus hints at this. You will see greater things than these. Nathaniel feels seen. Known, loved, more than he has ever felt those things before. Nathaniel is beginning his journey with a Lord who knows and loves him more than he knows and loves himself. And Nathanael is called into something greater than himself. He will be among the twelve disciples who accompany Jesus, who suffer their own failures, who perhaps are left in despair at the foot of the cross. However, there is resurrection on the other side. There is new life on the other side. There is a new creation on the other side. And we are still known. If you're in a place where you're beginning to wonder if God has any use for you. Can't do the things you used to do. Or you seem to fail at everything you try. Or you have trouble in school or you feel yourself succumbing to the despair of the age. Know that God in Christ has called you. God in Christ saves you. Just as Nathaniel, you are known and loved more than you know and love yourself. Just as Samuel, you are more than your struggles or lack of experience. Just as the church at at Corinth, we are more than the bad choices we sometimes make, sometimes in the name of personal freedom. We are so much more. We are called by Christ to live into our new identity, child of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, not just individually, but as part of his body. 1944. As he languished in prison, German theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a poem, "Who am I?" in which he wrestled with his exterior identity and his internal struggles. At the end of a poem, Bonhoeffer wrote, "Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest me. O oh God." I am thine. Amen.